For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends. Surprise! That's right, we got a Tuesday episode. This is the Tuesday, October 20th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Did you think I was done with the Tuesday episodes? Did you think I got too lazy and I was just going to go back to to once a week? Well, most of the time the answer to that's going to be yes, but not this week because there's a couple of big things that are happening, especially some that are hap- starting on Tuesday. Actually, the World Series is what I'm referring to. So I wanted to drop an extra episode for you guys, an extra Tuesday episode here ahead of Thursday's episode. I'm recording this on Monday night. Uh, it is six minutes left in the first quarter of the Cowboys-Cardinals game, uh, which is already looking like a snooze fest, 0-0. We'll see how that ends up. Um, but with the Chiefs win and cover right before this game, that guaranteed me another profitable week in the NFL. Uh, if the Cowboys can win and cover, um, then I'll have a very good week in the NFL. But I don't know how I'm feeling about this Cowboys bet. Uh, one thing I'm noticing now when I'm locking in my bets earlier in the week on Wednesday nights when I when I record the NFL episode of the show is that sometimes I'll lock in a bet and then by the time it kicks off on Sunday or Monday, I've thought about it in a different light or I've looked at a different stat and then all of a sudden I don't like it anymore. And that's how I kind of feel about this Cowboys bet. Uh, I thought the public was going to be all over the Cardinals, but it turns out everyone's on the Cowboys, which makes me nervous because Cowboys shouldn't win this game especially with Andy Dalton, and, and now it is 0-0 right now, but the Cardinals, uh, well, third and 22, so yeah, their offense isn't looking much better either, so. Uh, unders! Unders are hot again, eh? Unders are what? If the unders, if it stays under in this one, then that'll be unders would be 10-4 and four this week, I think. Uh, 14 games, right? Because four teams have a bye, so 10-4 and four this week unders would be if this stays under, which would be insane, but enough about NFL because this is not an NFL episode. Um, what I'm going to go over in this episode, the World Series, obviously, the main reason why I wanted to record this episode of the podcast. World Series starts Tuesday between the Dodgers and the Rays. Uh, I'm going to break down all the stats for the World Series. I'm going to give my pick for the whole series, and then I'll give my pick for Game 1, uh, which is Tuesday night. Then I'm going to get into the Zozo Championship. Uh, Tiger Woods back in action. He will be defending his Zozo Championship because if any of you uh, don't remember, he won the Zozo Championship last year. Actually, is it his event? Does he run the event? I think it might be, actually. Um, but it's usually in Japan, not in Japan this year, obviously, for the same reason why CJ Cup wasn't in uh, South Korea last week. This is usually the Asian run on the PGA Tour. Um, so I'm going to break down the Zozo Championship because it's another big event, and I'm not doing a betting preview for for Odd Shark this week. Uh, so I figured I'd just do one myself on the podcast. And then finally, UFC 254. Uh, been a while since I've talked about UFC on this podcast, so uh, just a friendly reminder, Reminder, you guys know for UFC, you guys want to fade me. You want to do the opposite in UFC because I'm terrible betting on UFC, but big pay-per-view this weekend between Habib Nurmagomedov and Justin Gaethje. 
Uh, so I'll get into that as well. So probably not going to be a long episode. We'll probably be around uh, 30 minutes or so. Uh, but just want to go over those big uh, three things that are happening this week. Um, before I get into that, though, uh, I went a little on a little fired up rant there, there at the start of the last episode. Uh, I don't really have anything else to say about that. Actually, I do have one quick thing. Um, and this is less about the uh, Twitter haters and more about the people who talk about Twitter haters. If you unironically use the term haters and you tweet about the haters are in your DMs and the haters are in your replies and you're being completely unironic and serious when you say that, I can't be friends with you. I just can't. Nobody has haters. There's just assholes. <laughs> oh, these hate haters in my replies. Remember that one street hot streak I went on two years ago? Duh. I shouldn't have any haters. They should be lucky. They should be thankful for what I'm doing on Twitter. Ah, eh, get over yourself. If someone's being too big of an asshole, just block them and move on with your life. Stop talking about haters like as if you're like a fucking, like you're a rap star. Like you're the next coming of Tupac. Haters. You have 5,000 followers and you post random pics that are basically coin flips on Twitter. Stop talking about having haters. You sound ridiculous. Deal with it. Just deal with it. There's assholes out there on Twitter. Surprise. Surprise. There's assholes on Twitter. Deal with it. I don't go on rants about having haters and haters in my DMs. Ah, fuck off. If they're an asshole, block them. Move on with your life. Who cares? You know what my favorite thing on Twitter is, though? People who, like I was talking about last episode, people who chirp a bet uh, when it starts off wrong. But my favorite thing about that is when then the bet still ends up hitting at the end. Like, I had a guy <laughs> in my DMs chirp me about the Packers uh, Bucks, my under bet, because uh, it got off to a really fast start. Um, just chirp me for no reason, saying I should get fired from my job. Once again, not calling him a hater, and I'm not saying he shouldn't do that, and I'm not whining about it, but it still happened, and I actually, uh, usually when those things happen, I find it funny, especially when the under ended up hitting anyways. Uh, and then, of course, I got a reply to that, and then he just told me to go, uh, called me a fat ass and told me to go eat bacon. It's like, okay, I'll go eat bacon. It's going to eat bacon anyways, but if you're going to allow me to eat bacon, I'll go eat even more bacon. I don't know how that's supposed to hurt my feelings. I mean, that that wasn't a rant, but that's all I had to say uh, on that topic in this podcast. I don't want to lay too, delay too much longer until we get into the picks. But what I do want to say is subscribe to the show. If you listen to this and you aren't subscribed, that's just kind of rude. <laughs> so subscribe if you have 20 seconds. Uh, if you have 5 seconds, rate it. If you have 30 seconds, review it. Just quite a, write a quick little review. Uh, that'll help my numbers out. Podcast is growing, people. It is growing, and I appreciate everyone who's downloading, listening on a daily bait or on a weekly basis. I should say, um, it is slowly but surely growing, uh, which I guess is a good sign. I don't think I'm losing too many listeners, so I appreciate you all who uh, download every episode. Uh, there is always the option to donate if I've helped you win any money. If you've enjoyed the content I've been putting out, um, if you've been fading me and making money, which I don't think you could, because I'm. I've been doing pretty well recently in almost every sport, but regardless, if you like the content, uh, if you enjoy it, if I've made you some money at some point in the past, feel free to donate. Link is in the description and also on my website, um, baconbetspodcast.buzzbro.com, I believe. Uh, the little symbol with a coin with a heart over, you can donate through PayPal. All those would be much appreciated. I love you all. No more delaying. Let's get into the Surprise Tuesday, October 20th episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. <laughs> More bacon than the pan can handle. 
More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle. More bacon than the pan can handle. All right, let's get into the World Series. It's kind of crazy that the MLB playoffs have. I guess the MLB playoffs usually go on around this time, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, it's kind of weird. I haven't really been paying attention too, too much to the MLB playoffs, uh, but I will be watching the World Series very closely. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. I did pay attention to the ALCS and the NLCS. I didn't really pay too much attention to the to the divisional series, though. But here we are, the World Series. Uh, everyone, uh, well, not everyone, but there's people that complain about the expanded playoffs in Major League Baseball, and we just ended up getting the first seed in each league uh, playing in the World Series. So all those expanded playoffs were for naught. Uh, but at least I got to see my Blue Jays play uh, two games and lose both of them to the Rays. Uh, but yeah, the Rays, plus 170, big underdogs in the World Series. Dodgers coming in at minus 200. Can the Dodgers finally not choke? Can they finally get past the hump and win a World Series? My pick for the World Series is, I'll tell you after I get into the stats, because the first thing I want to do is I'm just going to break down all the key stats for each team. Uh, I'm going to give you guys all the stats, so then you guys can kind of come up with your own pick in your head, and then I'll give my pick at the end of that. So I'm um, just going to take a look at each key stat, and when I do list these, um, it's important to note that stats I'm listing include regular season and postseason games. There's one that I think is only regular season that I'm going to cite, but uh, the ones I'm going to talk about these next five or six are going to be all regular season and postseason combined. So right off the top, batting average, pretty basic uh, offensive stat category there. Dodgers 11th in batting average this season at 256. Rays 21st in the majors at 238 this season. OPS which if you don't know is, uh, what is it, batting average plus on-base. So I guess it's on-base percentage plus slugging. Uh, so it takes into consideration a little bit of power as well. Dodgers second in OPS at 821 this season. Rays 13th at 753. Um, also, and by the way, I'm not taking any consideration. Home, away, splits, right-handed pitcher, left-handed pitcher. None of the, This is just all general basic stats. Uh, run score, Dodgers scored the most runs in the major leagues this year at 349. Rays were 12th, 289. Runs allowed, so defensive runs allowed. Dodgers second, only allowed 213 runs this year. Rays fourth, 229. So Dodgers first in runs scored and second runs allowed. They don't have many holes. But Rays still very good defensively as well. Fourth in the majors and runs allowed, only allowing 229. Uh, bullpen ERA, so let's get a little bit more specific in the defense here. Dodgers second bullpen ERA, talked about the lot on this podcast uh, there near the late of the regular season. Uh, the A's were the only one with the bullpen stronger, and the Rays were third. Uh, so last year we saw the Nationals win the World Series with the worst bullpen in the majors, which was kind of wild to see, and I lost a lot of money in the, in the playoffs last year betting against the Nationals. But now this year we see the polar opposite. Uh, the second and third best bullpens are in the World Series. But I say second and third, but they, uh, the actual bullpen ERA number is drastically different for, for being only a second and third place difference. So Dodgers second at 274 bullpen ERA, raised third at 337. Uh, so uh, quick math, what? I'm not going to do quick math. What is like a .6 difference-ish? So pretty significant difference, even though they're second and third in bullpen ERA. It's basically the A's, the Dodgers, and then a big gap, and then the Rays. Uh, strength of schedule. So this is something I was wondering while looking through all the stats. I was thinking, well, I mean, teams only play divisional opponents and then the uh, geographical equivalent in the other league throughout the playoffs. So not the same as every year. 
Um, so does strength of schedule play a role? So I looked in a strength of uh, schedule, and this is regular season only. So the one stat I'm citing that's regular season only is this strength of schedule. Uh, Dodgers 20th, Rays 21st. So if you were thinking strength of schedule might have had a difference to do with those numbers, they don't because they basically had the exact same strength of schedule. Dodgers 20th, Rays 21st. So that's basically a wipe right there. Ooh, Ezekiel Elliott fumbled. Just when the Cowboys look like they're starting to get going a little bit. All right, uh, let's take a look at the starting rotations. Uh, so this is one that I think the Rays might have, at least in the as far as depth goes in their starting rotation, they have an advantage, Kershaw. Uh, I'm going to get into his uh, his full numbers here when I talk about game one, but 4-3-1 ERA in the postseason. We, I mean, we all know the story about Clayton Kershaw, one of the best pitchers of all time, but he seems to choke in the playoffs with that 4-3-1 ERA for a career postseason ERA. That's that's not good. Walker Bueller, uh Better, though. 2-4-4 postseason ERA. He's still young, obviously, so we'll, we'll see uh, what's going to happen with him. Uh, same with the other two guys. So, I mean, Kershaw's going to start game one. Bueller's probably going to start game two, or almost definitely going to start game two. But who are they going to start in game three? Are they going to do, like, a, an opener with a bullpen game? Uh, I mean, or are they going to just start? Are they, Is it going to be, like, Dustin May might start, and then Julio Urias comes in after him? Um, I don't know. But let's just talk about Dustin May. I mean, he both these guys are young. Uh, Dustin May has a career ERA of 298. He's going to, he's, well, he's already good. He, he's going to be one of the top pitchers in the league, uh, here in just a couple of years, I think. Postseason ERA of 245. So even being a young guy, he hasn't been phased in the postseason. Julio Urias, career ERA of 3.2, but postseason ERA of 2.84. So both guys slightly better in the playoffs, which should be good and should be balanced out of that Clayton Kershaw. Uh, him choking in the playoffs all the time. Uh, let's look at the Rays' starting rotation. At least a lot more depth in their starting rotation than the, than the uh, Dodgers. Tyler Glasnow is getting the start in Game 1. Uh, but he hasn't been great in the postseason either. 4-4-3 career ERA, 5.47 postseason ERA. Uh, Blake Snell, 3.24 ERA this season. Uh, and he has a 2.88 career postseason ERA. Um, so Blake Snell, good in the playoffs. Same with Charlie Morton as well. Uh, Charlie Morton, 4.08 ERA, but 2.84 career postseason ERA. So Charlie Morton turns it on. He's like the opposite of Clayton Kershaw. Um, also, fun fact that I read somewhere, he's also all-time leader in Game 7 wins, Charlie Morton. So if it goes to Game 7 and Charlie Morton gets a start, who knows? Uh, and then maybe they might go Ryan Yarbrough uh, for Game 4, possibly. Um, but that's a little bit up in the air as well. Uh, but at least they're going to go Glasnow, Snell, Morton, it looks like. Uh, Glasnow makes sense starting game one, but I, out of the, just because he's, he's, he's rested. But out of the three starting pitchers, I mean, he's got to be the weakest, right? Especially with how Snell and Morton have uh, played in the playoffs in their careers. Uh, big thing to note as well, heading into game one of the World Series on Tuesday night, the Rays pitching is going to be more rested. Uh, they played Saturday night. Dodgers, of course, played Sunday night, so they had that extra day of rest as well. Uh, so just to review kind of all the stats, they're pretty even defensively. Uh, the Rays do have a little bit of a deeper starting rotation, uh, but the Dodgers do have a very slight bullpen advantage. Um, people don't really normally talk about the, the, the Dodgers bullpen. A lot of people talk about the Rays bullpen, but significantly better uh, numbers, at least in the regular season, for the Dodgers bullpen. Uh, big difference in this series, and this is what's going to make the series, is, is the offense. Dodgers are much better offensively. I read the numbers. They're first, second in a lot of offensive categories uh, in the major leagues. The Rays are middle-of-the-pack offense at best. But anything can happen in one series. That's what this wor- that, that, that's what the World Series is going to come down to, whether or not the Rays can get their bats going. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, there was a breakdown of the stats. None of that's necessarily my opinion. That's kind of all objective stats that you can all look up yourself. Um, so my pick, now that we're through the stats, I'll give you my pick to win the 2020 World Series is the Los Angeles Dodgers. I know, it's a square bet, minus 200. Actually, I see a lot of people liking the Rays because the Rays have been more impressive in the postseason, I think. Uh, but this is the Dodgers' time. They just have no holes. The Rays... I mean, we almost saw the Rays blow it against the Astros, and it's because they're off their their bats got cold. Uh, luckily, they won in Game Seven, but that's the concern with the Rays is that their uh, bats can get cold. So I had to put two units on the Dodgers minus two hundred, two units to win, one unit on the Dodgers to win the World Series. But let's get into the Game One. Let's get into Game One action, shall we? Game One's Tuesday night, so if you download and listen to this on Tuesday, this is for tonight's game. If you're listening to this after Tuesday, uh, we'll see how my pick went. <laughs> uh, so for game one, like I mentioned, it's Tyler Glasnow versus Clayton Kershaw. Rays are plus 145 underdog. Dodgers minus 170 favorite over under at seven and a half. Recording this on Monday night, so odds could be different by the time Tuesday comes, by the time opening pitch comes, starts, by the time the opening pitch happens. I assume the odds will be at least slightly different. Um, so don't uh, kill me if you listen to this and go look at the odds and they're a little bit uh, different. So let's uh, take a look at starting pitchers a little bit closely here. Clayton Kershaw, his season stats, obviously he's a lefty, 2.16 ERA, 3.31 FIP, 0.84 FIP. Uh, but, <clears throat> but so far in the playoffs, he has a 3.32 ERA and a .95 WHIP. And that's for the 2020 playoffs is his number specifically. Really, his last game there against uh, the Braves was, was a tough one, but he did somewhat all right before that. I mean, a, a sub one whip is still pretty good. Tyler Glasnow, 4.08 ERA, 3.66 FIP, 1.134 whip. In 2020 playoffs, he has a 4.66 ERA, 1.29 whip. So Glasnow has been average at best. Um, so, yeah, those are the two starting pitchers. Um once again, I'm going to break down the stats and I'll give my pick here. So uh, the stats that I'm going to cite for this game are specifically since August 1st. So when I was talking about stats for the World Series as a whole, I cited a full season stats. But for this game, let's just cut it down to August 1st. Let's make that sample size a little bit smaller when we're looking at game-specific bets. So Dodgers going up against a righty. They're fifth in OPS versus right-handed pitchers at .814. Rays are seventh in OPS versus left-handed pitchers at .836. Um... Both teams have hit lefties better than righties, but Rays are significantly better against lefties than righties. So 20th in OPS versus righties, the Rays are 7th in OPS versus lefties. So good matchup for them in Game 1 going uh, up against Clayton Kershaw. Uh, Before I get to the next point, yeah, I'll just give my pick. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over 7.5. I got it at minus 105 at Bovada. Uh, So over 7.5, minus 105 is my pick for for Game 1. Yeah, there's nothing really else that I haven't gone over. That I haven't already gone over when just talking about the World Series as a whole. So over 7.5, minus 105. For one, I don't trust Kershaw in the playoffs. Who could at this point? I'm hoping the Rays do get some runs off of him. Like I said, Rays are much better against lefties. Um, and also another reason why I like the big Dodgers offense. Despite being slightly worse versus lefties, um, their offense is still fantastic. Second, no PS of the season. First and run scored, as I mentioned earlier. I think Glasnow's probably the weakest of the three main starters for the Rays, especially in the playoffs. He wasn't anything special this season. Uh, if I was going to pick a side, I, I would go Rays. I'd take the, despite taking Dodgers for the whole World Series, I think this is probably the best matchup the Rays are going to get. Uh, so I would have taken the Rays plus 145 based off, Fading Kershaw, rested Rays bullpen, and the Rays numbers versus lefties. But 
I don't fully trust Glasnow. I just don't trust Glasnow against the Dodgers offense. So that's kind of why I stayed away from taking the Rays at plus 145. But I was tempted. Uh, so if you want to know my take on either side for game one, I would take the Rays. But I'm gonna just, just going to stick to the total. I'll take over 7.5 at minus 105. So there you go. That is my World Series breakdown. Um, I'll probably tweet out picks for the rest of the games after game one, but that's my game one pick. Let's get into some golf. Let's get into the Zozo Championship, the sport that people are probably paying attention to the least while NFL and everything else is going on. But I still love my golf, especially these events that are kind of more high-caliber events. Um, for the second week in a row, this is an event that is going to be a shortened field with no cut, so only 78 golfers competing in the Zozo Championship. Tiger Woods, as I mentioned at the top, is defending his Zozo Championship uh, win from last year. Not going to be hosting in Japan. It's going to be in Sherwood, or at Sherwood Country Club in California, which I was reading up about it today. Uh, that's where all the rich Hollywood stars like to golf, like Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholson? Jack Nicholas is the golfer. Jack Nicholson is the actor. Jack Nicholas des- uh, designed the course, though. Uh, Will Smith golfs here. Like all the top tier AA, AAA list celebrities all golf here. So um, I'm sure it's a very nice course. This uh, course did host the Hero World Challenge from 2000 to 2013, but that's so long ago they didn't use stats back then. They didn't use the strokes gain stats, so we can't really use those uh, to figure out how uh, this course should be played. But there are a couple signs. Um, and a couple key stats I think that we can use to handicap this event. Um, but before I get into my key stats, my course breakdown, let's just take a look at the odds list as of Monday night. John Rahm is the betting favorite. A uh, little bit of a surprise there considering he hasn't really played too well since uh, his wins a couple of months ago. Uh, Xander Shoffley behind him at 11-1, to who had another second place last week at the CJ Cup. Uh, I think he has like eight second place finishes and it's like the most in a certain time frame i saw a tweet about that but nobody loves finishing second more than xander shoffley uh justin thomas is next on the odds list 12 to 1 he's tied with rory McIlroy at 12 to 1 then colin morikawa at 18 to 1 terrell hatton and webb simpson at 20 to 1 and christian kirk just scored a touchdown for the cardinals cardinals are up seven nothing now so yeah, I'm really regarding that Cowboys bet. Uh, but let's get back to golf here. Uh, yeah, so those are the top guys on the odds list there. So quick course breakdowns at par 72, but not long at all. Only slightly over 7,000 yards. Uh, the big key thing about this course, which I don't know if there's any courses on the PJ Tour that has this, and it's that there are five par threes and five par fives. Which, if you don't know, that's one more of each. A normal par 72 course has four par threes, four par fives, and eight Par fours. Did I do that math right? Yes. No. I'm missing. Ten par fours. <laughs> Ten par fours, four par threes, four par fives. So this course has an extra par three and an extra par five, uh, which is going to be uh, relevant here in a second when I get to my key stats. Also, I read that the fairways are relatively narrow, the greens are relatively small. Um, but other than that, like I said, we don't really have much to go off of. Um, Golfers who did do historically well here back in the 2000s were more accurate hitters as opposed to longer hitters. But then again, golf has changed so much, especially this year, and just guys who are now just completely gouging courses with uh, distance off the tee, then I I don't really know how relevant that is completely. I mean, yeah, golf nowadays is completely different than it was back in 2006. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's all I could really kind of find out. Unfortunately, um, 
Uh, I'm not a Hollywood star yet, so I can't play it <laughs> at this course, so I haven't exactly uh, studied it that closely. Uh, if I was anywhere near those grounds, they would have me shot, the fucking degenerate that I am. So here are the five key stats I've come up with. Um, staying a little bit general, because like I said, with these courses that we don't have a whole lot of experience uh, betting on, it's a, they're a little bit tough. So starting off with ball striking, which is a combination of total driving and greens and regulation, uh, should be a good indication considering it's narrow fairways and smaller greens. So let's get guys who are just generally decent off the tee and are able to get it on the green and regulation. Next two stats, par 3 scoring average and par 5 scoring average. So ideally you want to find a guy who's very good at both because it's rare if if ever, if memory serves me correct, I can't think of another PGA Tour tournament that has 5 par 3s and 5 par 5s. So let's kind of narrow in on those par 3s and par 5s. If we can find guys that can do very well in both, they should have a good weekend here. And then we're going to look at scrambling percentage as the fourth key stat. This is generally a good stat I always like to look at. Uh, scrambling percentage is a popular one for me. Saving pars when you don't get on the green in regulation is obviously massive. And then strokes gain putting. Uh, it's kind of a default one that we want to rely on when we don't have any specific ones to look at. So let's make sure we get guys who are good with the flat stick in their hand. Also, by the way, as far as stats that I'm going to give out for the, for the golfers that I'm going to pick, still looking at only 2020 season stats, not enough 2021 events with the top guys only having competed in two or three events, not a big enough sample size. I'll probably start looking at 2022 events, or sorry, 2021 events for stats, probably for the Masters a month away. Then we'll at least, most of the top guys will at least have three or four events, uh, so we'll have a better sample size for that. But for the time being, I'm sticking to 2020 season stats, but... Uh, if you guys are going to handicap this yourself, it wouldn't be a terrible idea. Just take a quick peek at 2021 stats just to make sure a golfer that you're betting on hasn't completely fallen off the cliff so far this season. But regardless, I digress. Here are my picks. Uh, but also, just like uh, the UFC, the prop bet in the main event that I was looking for doesn't have odds out yet. Neither do top 5, top 10, or top 20 odds for the this PJ Tour event for the Zozo Championship. So I'm going to say top 5, top 10, or top 20 when I, when I pick my guys, but I don't have exact odds to reference. Um, but I, I, I just generally know what they're going to be just based off what their odds to win are. So, um, yeah, I won't have the... Did Zeke just fumble again? I think Zeke just fumbled again. What is the Cowboys' issues with turnovers? It's insane. They have like a, they have like a minus... 13 turnover differential. That's second fumble for Zeke, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, well, first of all, he's got to stop wearing those sleeves. That's the issue. I mean, me of fat-ass degenerate telling a, one of the best running backs to ever live about what his issue is. But I, I played running back. I played university football as a running back. I mean, I just hate It's just personal preference and maybe part of the reason is because I had short little T-Rex arms, but I hated wearing sleeves because the ball would slide right on them. I actually used to, in high school, I wore these grip sleeves that you put on your forearms so you can better grip the ball, but also uh, I have little T-Rex forearms, so I kind of had a fumbling issue too. But I don't know if those just cotton sleeves are helping Zeke uh, hang on to that football there. That's, uh, that's tough for a running back. But I digress once again. <laughs> I gotta stop recording these during uh, football games. Uh, let's get into my picks for the Zozo Championship. First one, Colin Morikawa, eighteen to one. Uh, I'm gonna take him top five. I'm gonna take him to win just for funsies, and I'm gonna take him top five, whatever the top five are, odds are. So let's take a look at his stats. Top, or he's tied for twentieth, or he was tied for twentieth in 2020 in ball striking, par three scoring, tied for twenty eighth, par five scoring, tied for sixth. 
Uh, scrambling percentage, 87th. Strokes gained putting, 128th. So, I mean, putting's always been Morikawa's weak point, but uh, if he can get hot at all that's with his putter, that's when he wins events. So I'm hoping that's going to be the case this weekend. But a stat that's not necessarily a key stat, which sticks out to me for Colin Morikawa, is that he was first in the PJ Tour in par 5 Eagles. So with five par fives, a lot of chances for Eagles for Morikawa. He led the tour in par five Eagles last year, and Eagles are big, big, big money makers. Uh, jumping two strokes on the field's huge, uh, and the, all these par fives are very reachable as well. So uh, I'm hoping for a, a, a handful of Eagles for Morikawa this weekend. Also, he finished tied for 12th last week at Shadow Creek. Hopefully, that's a sign that he's rounding back into form after missing the cut at the U.S. Open in the Shriner so far this year. So that's my first pick, Colin Morikawa at 18 to one. I'm also going to take him top five. Next is my favorite golfer to bet on this year. You guys probably know who uh, who I'm referencing. It is Daniel Berger. Burger time. I love betting on Daniel Berger. I pick him a lot. I know. I can't help it. I have a soft spot for him ever since I won an outright bet on him uh, at the Charles Schwab Challenge. I'm not going to take him to win, though. Uh, I'll just take him top 10. So Daniel Berger, top 10. He is 33-1 to 1 to win if you want to get a little bit more aggressive. Um, but let's take a look at his numbers. Ball striking, 47th. Par 3 scoring, tied for 28th. Par 5 scoring, tied for 4th. Scrambling percentage, 1st. He was the best golfer on tour last season in scrambling percentage. And strokes gained putting, 17th. So very good putter as well. So uh, you guys know this because I've, I've picked him several times the past few months. He has great numbers. Love him here this week. Uh... I think a little bit of disrespect, plus uh, 3,300, 33 to 1 to win, I think. But I'll just take him top 10. I think he has a good weekend. And I think his numbers match up well with his course. And then a little bit of a dark horse here for the third pick. Uh, I'm only going to take this guy top 20, but he's 100 to 1 to win, and that's Kevin Kisner. Uh, ball striking, tied for 126, so not great. I mean, he's just generally not great off the tee. Uh, par 3 scoring average is tied for 55th. Par 5 scoring average is tied for 131st. Uh, but it's these last two stats that I, why I like him this week. Scrambling percentage is 16th. Strokes gained putting is 15th. So I just a little, I think it's just a little bit of a value pick here considering he's 100 to 1. And like I said, I'm just taking him top 20. Uh, history has shown at this course, as I mentioned earlier, that history has shown shorter but accurate hitters do well here. And I don't know if that's going to carry over all the way to 20, uh, 2020. Uh, but that was the case back when the when the Hero World Challenge was here in the 2000s. Uh, and that's exactly what Kevin Kisner is. He's a shorter but accurate hitter. Very good short game. I think he has a chance to do well this week. So this is kind of my dark horse, my long shot. Uh, a little bit more of a gut feeling pick. It's Kevin Kisner to finish in the top 20. So there you go. Maury Kawa to win in top 5. Daniel Berger top 10. And Kevin Kisner top 20 are my picks for the Zozo Championship. Now, Tiger Woods. How's Tiger Woods going to do here? Um, I'll bring up his odds really quick. Tiger Woods has historically done very well at the Sherwood Country Club. Uh, he's a California guy. Uh, is he from? I just know he went to Stanford. Tiger Woods. I should know where Tiger. No, he's from Florida, right? Yeah, he's from Florida. No, he's, yeah, he's born in California. He just lives in Florida now. So, yeah, he's a California guy. Um, I read somewhere that he's won, I think, seven times here, maybe it was. It must have been less than that. I don't know. I should have wrote it down. But he's won here a bunch. But that was the old Tiger. But he did win the Zozo Championship last year when he was in Japan. But he just hasn't looked well uh, since he returned to action. He's 25-1 to 1 to win. I wouldn't bet on him. Uh, we'll see what his round by. I'll probably fade him, actually, in some three-ball bets early on in the week. But uh, if you want to bet on Tiger for fun, go ahead. Who am I to stop you? 
I, I can't bet on Tiger ever to win. So there you go. That's my Zozo Championship course breakdown, key stats, and picks. Last thing to go over as the Cardinals take a 14-0 lead and my Cowboys bet looks dead in the water. Ah, I wish I could call like a, I wish I could call a mulligan on that one. Like I said, this is when I locked in Wednesday. And the closer we got to today, the less I like the Cowboys. Uh, Cardinals are going to run away with this one. Um, UFC 250. UFC 254. Uh, long time since I've talked uh, about UFC. Uh, but obviously, it's a big pay-per-view event this week. Khabib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gaethje for the Undisputed Lightweight Championship. Uh, listen, I, I'm not into UFC, into the UFC as much as I used to be. I still enjoy it. I still watch most of the main events uh, and a good portion of the main cards. I'm still pumped for this main event, for this whole card. But there's a, like a four-year stretch from like 20, maybe it's a little bit longer, maybe a six-year stretch from like 2012 to 2018 where I was absolutely obsessed with the UFC. Almost never missed a fight, let alone a whole fight card. Um, but I'm just not as into it anymore. And I'm curious if anyone else feels this way. If you feel this way, let me know. Send me a DM. Uh, but it's just, I don't know if it's the amount of cards they put on now, but I, I just keep struggling. Like, I keep struggling to, uh, I struggle to keep track of their hundreds and hundreds of fighters. I mean, the main thing with the UFC, and this is true back when the WD was huge, or WWE was huge, and it still is huge today, is storylines. Unless you're an absolute purist of mixed martial arts, you need some kind of story to get excited for these fights. You need to know the backgrounds of these fighters. You need to know what's their motivation. You know what are they like? What's you know where do they come from? I feel like the UFC has given up on that. They like they've given up on the storytelling aspect of the sport. Either that, or there's just so many fighters that you just can't keep track with who everyone is, and thus you can't really keep track of everyone's background. I'm interested if anyone else feels that way. Fighting is entertainment at the end of the day. It just needs some type of storyline or something else to get the viewer interested. And I just don't feel like we get that from the UFC anymore. I look at these cards like last week, I barely recognized any names. I just don't care. If it's a good fight, it's a good fight. But I, at the end of the day, I don't really care who wins for the most part. I still obviously do the main events, the, the title fights. Those guys are obviously hyped up because they're title fight guys. But... Back in the day, it felt like like I knew everyone from like the first fight of the night all the way up to the main event, and now it's just like a bunch of nobodies. But regardless, I digress. I'm going to go over the top three fights in this card as well as an underdog that I like in the prelim. So let's start with that prelim underdog. I like Nathaniel Wood, plus 160 versus Casey Kenny. So I think this fight should be a little bit closer to a pick -em. If Wood is smart, he'll try to take Kenny down and out-wrestle him. Kenny has a takedown defense of only 53% and his loss earlier this year to Mareb Valishvili was by being out-wrestled. Valishvili had 12 takedowns in that fight. Uh, Wood also has a higher higher rate of significant strikes landed per minute, 5.52 compared to 4.25, and a higher strike accuracy at 48% compared to 42%. So I like the value here. I'll take Nathaniel Wood plus 160 in the prelims against Casey Kenny. Um, but you guys, know, uh, you guys know how this works. I mean... Take the opposite of what I'm betting in, in these UFC fights. Fade me in UFC. I'm easily my worst sport. Um, but let's get into the final three fights, the most intriguing fights in the main card. First off is Alexander Volkov against Walt Harris. I'm going to take Alexander Volkov at minus 170. So Walt Harris is either going to knock his opponent out in the first two rounds or he's going to lose. Literally every single one of his UFC fights has come... Win, yeah, every single one of his UFC wins have come from either the first round or a second round TKO. He's never won a fight by decision. Um, 
actually, well, to be fair, technically, he did have a split decision win over Andre Orlovsky, uh, which if I remember correctly, was a bad decision, but regardless, they ended up getting overturned and turned into no contest due to a positive drug test. Um, so no fights on record that have stayed on record where he's won by decision. He's basically a poor man's Derek Lewis, which will work against lower tier, the lower tier of the heavyweight division, but I don't think it's going to work against Alexander Volkov. Speaking of Derek Lewis, Volkov fought Lewis and had the perfect game plan. He just stayed a distance. He fired with a jab for the entire fight, which is exactly what he needs to do against Walt. Now, to be fair, Volkov led up right at the end of his fight against Lewis, and Derek Lewis just knocked him out with 11 seconds left in the fight. Uh, if anyone doesn't remember, that was the famous My Balls Was Hot post-fight interview. My Balls Was Hot. Uh, that was when he knocked out Volkov. So, uh, But for the entire fight up until the last 11 seconds, Volkov had the perfect game plan. He was 11 seconds away from a decision win, so I expect him to have the same kind of game plan against uh, Walt Harris, who, like I said, is basically a poor man's Derek Lewis. Uh, Volkov won't just stay in a bang with Walt Harris. Should be able to avoid Walt's power strikes early on and just outbox him. He averages 4.65 significant strikes per minute. Walt Harris only averages 2.97. So I'll take Volkov at minus 170. Moving on to the co-main event, Jared Jared Cannonier over Robert Whitaker. Uh, Surprised at the odds. Right now, Jared Cannonier, slight favorite, minus 120. Robert Whitaker, minus 110. When I first looked at, at, at that, I was like, okay, Robert Whitaker, no-brainer. But after I've looked into it, I'm actually going to take Jared Cannonier at minus 120, which means you guys should actually take Robert Whitaker at minus 110. Uh, but I'm on Cannonier. First of all, I'm a little bit concerned uh, for Whitaker. Uh, he beat Darren Till in his last fight uh, in July, but he just didn't quite look as sharp as he did as a champion. I think the damage he's, he's taken may be starting to take a toll on him. And that's not a good thing when you're going up against someone with Cannoneer's power. Three straight TKO wins for Cannoneer since coming down to middleweight. But what I think is Cannoneer's strength in this fight, actually, is his defense. Cannoneer only absorbs 2.82 significant strikes per minute compared to Whitaker's 3.43. He also has a 66% significant strike uh, defense compared to Whitaker's 61%. Uh, Whitaker's five-round war against Till, like I mentioned, that just happened in late July, so only a couple months ago. I would have liked to see him take a longer break, considering how much damage he's absorbed in his career. So given that, and given the fact that Jared Cannonier looks like he's at the right weight class, he looks like an up-and-coming, like he's uh, hitting his stride, the amount of power he has, I'm going to take Jared Cannonier as a slight favorite at minus 120. But this might be one that you might want to wait until fight night to place your bet. Um, because I assume public money is going to be on Whitaker, given he's a former champion. I would assume that. Don't quote me on that, but I, I would assume that would be the case. Uh, so you might want to wait until uh, fight night, but I, I Cannonier might get down to even money. But I, I, I'm taking him as of tonight at minus 120. Uh, time for the main event. Last thing I'm breaking down on the show. Khabib. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, by the way, he hates it when people say Khabib, when people pronounce a K. It's supposed to be silent, uh, not to be a stickler. I mean, most of the time I say Khabib, too, because it just kind of... It sounds weird if you just say Habib. It sounds like you're... Like when people say, uh, instead of French, they say... Uh, or instead of France, they say France. It's the same kind of thing. Khabib. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but he's a big favorite against Justin Gaethje. I mean, I'm, I'm really not going to say anything that's going to blow you out of the water here. I love taking underdogs and main events yeah habib is minus 350 justin gage is plus 265 i love taking big underdogs in these main events especially when everyone is on the favorite everyone's on habib here uh, but i just can't justify it 
I will say I love Justin Gaethje. I interviewed Justin Gaethje back when I wrote for MMA Latest News, and he fought for WSOF. Uh, so I've been a longtime fan of Gaethje. He's one of the most exciting fighters of all time. I am interested to see how his strategy of chopping Khabib's legs go. Um, notice how I'm just kind of switching back between Habib and Khabib. Uh, fuck it! Uh, I mean, that is an interesting strategy, but I, I just don't know if it's... I mean, when he goes for those kicks, is Habib just going to shoot for a double and, and take him down on the ground? I don't know. Uh, but that is going to be a little bit of an interesting strategy for Gaethje, but I, I just can't back him. I, I can't bet against Habib, who might be the greatest fighter of all time. I just can't do it. Um, but I do did find a way that you can get some money in this one, um, and that's to take Habib by decision. Now, as of Monday night, I haven't seen a site... Uh, have this prop bet up yet uh, usually they add them later on in the week um, but I saw the over four and a half rounds at plus 135 at bet online so uh, I assume the Habib by deci- decision has to be a decent plus money play it's probably going to be around if I already guessed plus 170 plus 180 so that's what I'm going to take um, yes Habib's last two fights were submission finishes they didn't go to the decision but before that he went a full five rounds with Ally Quinta of all people, Ally Quinto, he went to full five rounds. He's gone to decision six times in his UFC career, so it's not like he's just like a finishing machine. Uh, also, Gaethje's as tough as they come. He has a wrestling background, so if anyone can last five rounds with Habib, it's going to be Gaethje. So yes, Habib should win, but I think there actually is value to take Habib to win by decision. Guessing it'll be around plus 170, plus 180. So that's going to be my bet, my uh, bet for the UFC 254 main event. So there you have it, everyone little surprise Tuesday uh, episode for you. Talked about World Series, talked about Zozo Championship, talked about UFC 254, and then I uh, uh, threw in some Cowboys-Cardinals talk. That game's still in the first half, 5-29 left in the first half. Flag coming in. I think Cowboys are driving, though. I can't see them winning this game, though. Andy Dalton, Fred Rocket, who knows? Regardless, I'll be profitable this week in the NFL. If Cowboys lose, I think it'll be slightly over a unit, I think. If Cowboys win, I think it'll be slightly over three units, maybe. But that's all I got for you for the Tuesday, October 20th episode of the podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, donate. Email me if you ever want me to answer any questions. Email me at baconbetspodcast at gmail.com. Best of luck to your bets this week. I have nothing nothing else for you. I will talk to you all on Thursday for the Week 7 episode. The NFL Week 7 episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. I love you all. Take care. Best of luck. And gamble or bless. Save big on Brunch for Mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up. All with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.